coming up. We kind of felt like, are we even going to ever find her? Is she going to be alive when we find her? Because even though they found her, they did not know what happened to her. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Savannah Crawford was only 16 years old when she walked away from her home Savannah in Crawford April of was only 16 years old. Family say Savannah was different from other kids. She spent a lot of time alone. She liked to go out and walk. Four years ago, in April 2017, 16-year-old Savannah Crawford vanished. She was out on one of her regular walks in her hometown in Kentucky. She was found months later, 18 miles away from home. Some people will say, well, they had closure, they found her. No, they didn't have closure. They still lost their baby. They've lost their daughter, their sister, their granddaughter, and they don't have an answer as, as to how or why. Somebody knows how she got from Litchfield, Kentucky, to where she was located in Hardin County. Investigators say they need more information about what happened on the night Savannah went missing. If you have any information that could help police find answers in this case, they urge you to tell local law enforcement. That's the voice of Shay McAllister, an investigative reporter at WHAS in Louisville, Kentucky. Shay has looked into Savannah's case for her unsolved series. Shay, tell us a little bit about what you know about Savannah Crawford. She was still in high school when she disappeared. She was a quiet teenager. She was very artistic. Her family says that she kept to herself a lot of the time, and she was lonely. She would isolate, and um, she was always hesitant to reach out to help, even though her family says she really needed it. And at the time where she went missing, her grandmother had just passed a few months earlier, and she was especially sad. And so I think that that kind of sets the scene for what she was going through. Savannah Crawford, 16 years old, would usually come home from school, check in with her mom. They live in a small town in Kentucky where everybody kind of knows everyone. And even if you don't know them personally, you see them around and you know they exist. In Savannah's case, she loved to check in with her mom and then head out on a walk. And she would just walk around her town. Her mom's home, where she lived, was near Town Square. Officers told us they often saw her walking around there. She would just have her headphones on, listening to music, um, trying to escape the day a bit, is what her family said. So on the day she went missing, which was April 2017, um, that's exactly what happened. She checked in with her mom. She went out for a walk. She was actually caught on surveillance video from the apartment where she lived, walking away, holding her iPod like she always was, and heading out. And she seemed to be fine. Her mom said she didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. But around midnight, when she still wasn't home, her mom got worried and called police. And the night shift officer started looking for her. The police department told us that sometimes parents call when kids don't come home just a little bit worried because it's been a little bit too long, and they typically locate them within just a couple of hours because just the idea of your parents looking for you, now police looking for you, and a small town, word gets around quick. This wasn't like that. The night shift officer spent all night looking for her. He called in other officers and even the detective in the small police department. The detective got in at 6.30, and told us immediately he knew this was different. He knew something here was very wrong. Yeah, that is different, though, Shay. I mean, normally you do hear about maybe a report of this 
kind of thing being made, and then it takes 24 hours or whatever for people to start looking or for, for police to start really making an effort. But they were immediately searching for her. Yes, and I think part of that has to do with the fact that Litchfield, Kentucky is a very small town, and they don't get many calls overnight. So when a mom calls and says, my teenage daughter hasn't come home, that's very unusual. You know, she's 16, and she went out on a walk by herself. I think that that is something that the officer has the time and resources to take on just because it's a small town and and they aren't usually super busy in the world of crime and police calls. And you mentioned being so small, do they they have some idea of her her regular route or did she have one on this walk that she would go on? They didn't tell me anything about a regular route, but the officers all knew who she was because she walked so frequently. So they would always see her walking. And when her mom called and said, my daughter is Savannah, she was wearing a black sweatshirt and gray sweatpants and her headphones, the officer immediately knew exactly who he was looking for. So she was a familiar face in the community. So they begin searching immediately. What happens? Does does anything happen the next day or in coming days? So the search intensifies instantly. And I think a lot of that has to do with this detective on the case. His name is Kevin Smith. And he told us that he just had this gut feeling that this was something very bad. Something was very wrong here. And so he called in outside help on day one. And as you know, with a missing teenager, that's not always the case. Unless they're endangered, unless there's some reason to believe they might harm themselves or others, Um Sometimes police departments just don't have the time and resources to go all in on a missing person right away. But this police department did. They called in help from the local sheriff's department. He says that they called the FBI. They called up to Louisville, which is, you know, the next biggest close city. And they called um, national hotlines that are known for sending in help when a child is missing. The other thing he did is called the media. And so... They're located in between multiple different media markets. So Savannah's face was on everyone's TV screen within 48 hours of her going missing. And everybody knew about this case. So it's a really intensive search, it sounds like, in a in a small community where everybody knows pretty much each other. The police know Savannah, they, or at least they are familiar with her by sight. And so the sad news is that there's really no news, at least in the first several weeks, months, right? Correct. So for about two months, nothing is developing in this case. There are hundreds of sightings from as far as across the country, but none of them are confirmed. Every business has her picture up in their window. Everybody is actively searching, including national organizations that have been brought in. But there is no sign of her. And actually, there's something else complicating this investigation. While Savannah is missing, other kids around her age also go missing. And the detective says that they had a hunch that many of these were copycats, that, you know, Savannah was getting a lot of attention. She was, um, everyone was talking about her. And so other teenagers were also starting to go, quote unquote, missing. And that took resources away. They had to treat every single case the same because they didn't know what was real and what was someone hiding out. And at one point, they said they had six teenagers missing at one time. That's wild. I've never heard of that playing out quite that that way in such a— And were these other cases nearby, local? All of them were local. They were all under the jurisdiction of this small police department. 
And the detective talks about just how scary it was at first and then frustrating when they would eventually find these kids, you know, staying at a friend's house or staying with their friend's grandmother. And in fact, it became such a problem that he had to work with county officials at the courthouse to say, if you pretend to go missing or if you're an adult helping a child, quote unquote, go missing, you will be put in jail. And they were actually passing these ordinances in the middle of this search just because it was taking so much resources from the search for Savannah Crawford. They just couldn't afford it. So they had to create these penalties to keep people from doing that. And they actually had to use them in one case. An an older woman, a grandmother who was in a wheelchair, had to go to jail because she allowed two teenagers to stay in her house um, for a week. So this is all going on. I'm, huge, I'm sure it's a huge distraction for the police force and for the actual search that's happening and for the actual missing Savannah. Absolutely. And um, eventually that calms down. Um, the investigation is still going. It's not quite cold. They're getting tips in every day, but they aren't getting anything of substance. And then the seasons change. Kentucky summer starts to roll in. Um, People's habits change, and a father-son duo decide to go out fishing um, off of this bridge about 18 miles away from the town where Savannah went missing. And as they're walking across the bridge, they look over and see what they think are human remains. So they call 911. The sheriff's office comes out and responds, and it's actually the sheriff's office from one county over. They say, yes, these are human remains. They call the coroner. While the coroner's working on the case, um, they start going through missing persons cases. They figure out that they don't have any in their county, so they call the surrounding counties, which of course includes Grayson County, where Savannah was missing. And the detective gets the call, and he told us that he asked specifically, well, what is she wearing? And the coroner described the clothing that was left behind by these human remains, and it was exactly what Savannah was reported to have been wearing when she went missing. She's found down in this, you know, a river creek bed with no nothing else around. So, of course, we automatically think, is it a homicide? You know, did she fall? Was she thrown off, you know, the side of the bridge? Or, um, you know, at this point, it's anything that we can think of. She had um, exactly the clothing on that she went missing in but she was fully skeletonized. And part of that had to do with it being two months later. Of course, they don't know when she died or how she died exactly. But um, in the heat of Kentucky and with the extreme changes in weather, also being right by river in the water, the coroner told us that her body could have been that skeletonized in as little as just a few weeks. So does the autopsy then reveal anything more uh, about how she might have died? So... That was the big hope, that they would do this autopsy, and that would reveal how she died. But it doesn't. They run a toxicology, and it comes back clean. They do x-ray scans, looking at all of her bones, looking for anything that um, would indicate any kind of foul play or trauma. For example, had she been thrown off the bridge, she would have had fractures, and she didn't. Had she been shot, at least part of the bone would show some sort of impact, and that wasn't there. And this was so frustrating for the coroner and for police, 
but most importantly for the family, because even though they found her, they did not know what happened to her. And now, several years later, she's no longer no longer a missing person, but the death investigation is still open. So, right, they don't even know if foul play was involved or if an accident took place or what happened. Exactly. There, there is no. They don't even call it a. They don't call it a murder or a homicide investigation. They call it a death investigation because there is no proof that somebody else was involved in her death. It's just bizarre and heartbreaking. And you, you can ask and, I guess, sort of consider all sorts of possibilities. But to be that far away from her home, uh, certainly a long distance to walk, even in three days, right? I mean, I guess it could be done. But again, it's it's, a, it's an exercise for detectives of investigators. But I think for all of us, it's just such a mystery. Exactly. And police have said, and even today, you know, we interviewed them earlier this year, and they told us that the only way they were going to get any more information about what happened to her would be to find the person or people who know how she got from Litchfield, Kentucky, over to Hardin County, Kentucky, which is an 18-mile difference. It's also a busy, busy highway, so it's not a casual walk by any means. Um but police say that if there's anyone who might have some indication of what was going on with her, what kind of state of mind she was in, what happened to her, it would be someone who helped her get from point A to point B and or saw her if she was walking from point A to point B. And so far, nobody like that has come forward. Along the way, did police ever talk about the fact that she took this regular walk and that, sure, somebody could have noticed that she did that and taken advantage of that? They didn't mention that, but they did harp on the fact that she was known to walk often and she was very familiar to the community and the police officers. So it seemed like those walks were familiar to people. So that's a possibility. All right. Well, any anything else on this case? It sounds like for now, police are waiting for maybe someone to come forward. But beyond that, there's not a lot of, of new leads. I think that that is the bottom line here. And um, unfortunately, you know, the detective on this case tells us this is that one case that keeps him up at night. It's the one case that he does not want to retire until he solves. But without a person coming forward and speaking out, there aren't many clues for them to find from the evidence that they have in front of them. So for right now, the case just sits. All right, Shay McAllister, thank you so much for talking to us about this case. Keep us posted if any new information does come in. Absolutely. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday. Be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a great review if you like what you hear. And if you'd like to learn more about the show and Vault Studios, check out our Facebook group, Inside the Crime Vault.